RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. That is the time. The Internet is a place. Oh, there are opinions to be discussed. It is Mission Log Live. We are here to discuss those opinions with you. I'm Ken Ray. Oh, hey, and then it's me. I'm John Champion. Yes, back again, just like we like to be. Chatting with you, our Star Trek pals, to see what made the latest disco tick. Tonight, you know the drill. A quick recap, share some thoughts, and open it up to you, because we want to know what you thought. Let's go deep into the mycelial network with Saints of Imperfection, Episode 5 of Season 2. You can click on the link to join our Zoom meeting, or you can use the one tap from your smartphone. You can also pick up the phone and dial 646-558-8656, then enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments. Then, there we all are, talking Trek. Playing console jockey this evening, Earl Green, TD to the Trek Elite, and also... TD to us. So it's really nice for them to do both. Uh, when you call us, well, that's a bonus. In fact, uh, it would be great if you called us tonight because it's me, it's John, it's you. It's, it's the three of us or six of us or nine of us or how many call in, I guess, would be the thing there. You do also get to chat with Earl for a moment. So that is a big bonus, not just for us, but for you as well. So please, once again, the number is 646-558-8656. 646-558-8656. I do apologize. That was twice again. Then you enter the meeting code that you'll find in the show description and the comments or join our Zoom meeting or use the one top from your smartphone. Hey, thanks for joining us live either on facebook.com slash mission log pod or facebook.com slash mission log pod because that's where we're live right now. Although there's room for a couple of people over there. If you ever want to maybe we can make that a contest, I suppose. If you're watching us later, of course, we'll be up on YouTube, youtube.com slash Roddenberry Prod. Or if you have grabbed the audio later through our podcast, um, basically any number of ways that you can find this show. And however you have found it, we sure want to thank you for doing that. Um, because, you know, you being here is what makes it a show. And then, of course, if you tell more people, uh, it would be absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, if you would. Hey, uh, Ken, now is the time in the show that I would normally just say hello to all of our uh, guests who are in the chat. And don't worry, I'm going to get to that in just a second. Uh, but I actually have to say hello to another guest who has uh, infiltrated the interloper who has come into the studio here. Uh, so let's see. Come on over. Oh, oh, there he is. There he is. It's Nuke, the Roddenberry puppy. And he's attacking my face. Yes, hey, there he is. Over here in the camera. Is Nuke? Everyone, oh. this is Nuke. Yep. This is our new puppy. He's three months old. He's a pit bull husky, and he's the most adorable thing in the world. He is. He, that is not a lie. Hey, oh, that is not oh, a lie. Oh, look, look. Now, is he named after Duke Nukem? So he, he's not named after Duke Nukem. This is... Uh, no, here you go. Zale, my son named yeah, him. So Zale named him. And uh, and now you just have to reverse engineer a reason for him to be named Nuke. So, uh, we'll yeah. create a character at some point. Maybe. Yeah, that's a good idea. But it's Nuke with the line over it. Exactly. Yeah. It's very European. You chose it. Yeah. You with the line and then yeah. K. You have a very worldly son. Exactly. So that's exactly. good. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, everyone. Love you. So there is a uh, Roddenberry Foundation event happening in the room next door in the main building. And uh, I was not going to let the show happen without a puppy, because when you when you have the opportunity to have a puppy, you bring the puppy on the show. 
I will say they weren't great for audio. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's very true. But yeah. but it could have been the opposite. Could have been a total disaster for audio. You know, disaster. Yeah, disaster. Yeah, All right. So uh, now is the time that we'll say hi to our friends who are joining us. There's Paul. There's Chris Riker. There's Thomas. There's John Edwin Armstrong. There's Narda saying good day. There's a little tip off where Narda is. Uh, we've got Paul, Donna, Peter, uh, Barry, other Barry. Scott Palm, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Cosmo, Cosmo, by the way, who just had, uh, he, he's been laid up. He just had a little uh, uh, surgical procedure uh, on his foot, and he's just been hanging out, uh, watching Star Trek and drinking cocktails all day for, for like weeks. Apparently, that's what you get to do when, uh, when you have to be off your feet for a while. So, now, did that, Was that like a break or a sprain? Because I could go for a sprain if that's what it meant. You just, yeah, you do, like, if you were to plan this out, you just... Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> okay, all right. If it, meant, if it meant laid up watching Star Trek and drinking cocktails, yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I can even go for a, for a difficult sprain. I don't want to sure. break anything. Yeah, well, you and Cosmo could talk, you know, yeah. Uh, David Takeshi says, hi, hi, back to you. Casey, a lot of people very excited about uh, about seeing uh, the puppy Nuke in there. So Nuke, Nuke, the Roddenberry puppy, will have to come back on the show at some point for sure. But... Uh, uh, hi, everybody. Thank you for dropping by. And uh, and I guess, Ken, this is now the point in the show where we get to talk about what else is coming up. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to keep talking about Discovery, right? Because Discovery releases every Tuesday night, uh, 14 episodes in this season. So we've got uh, nine more to do. And tonight, yeah. is that right? <laughs> nine more and tonight, or is it nine more after tonight? Well, whatever. Oh, anyway. yeah. Nine, nine more after tonight. Yeah, and and the show's out on Thursdays. We're out on Tuesdays. Yes, that's that's true, too. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. although our show is out on Wednesday, just in time for the following week's show. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. Hey, also, we uh, we recently had an event in uh, in the theater at uh, in Sansar, the Roddenberry Theater in Sansar. Yes, yes, we do. So we, we launched our new theater. And uh, it's a little weird to say that a thing in VR is really huge or a thing in VR is really small. But when you put on the VR goggles and, and you get a sense of that space, because look, you could just be you could be in a tiny room, but you walk into our VR room. That is a huge theater. And it's a great space to have an event, as we had a couple of weeks ago with Larry Nemechek showing bloopers. And that was super fun of him to come in and offer a little uh, color commentary. But that theater will now be a permanent part of the Roddenberry Nexus. And we will have other events in the Roddenberry Theater. Now, that doesn't change things for the Roddenberry Nexus. Everything is still there. The exhibits, that will be expanding. You know, Ken, uh, this year, 2019, it is the 40th anniversary of Star Trek The Motion Picture. Don't know if you knew that. I had I had heard that. Yes. <laughs> right. Well, we we have some TMP artifacts. I feel like maybe we should add more TMP artifacts down the road. Expand that museum a little bit. That would be well. Yeah. Well. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about this now? <laughs> because I was going to say. So we're going to take things down, or we going to like, add more stuff? What are we going to do? But. We could talk keep about adding. that off camera. It's virtual. It's virtual. We keep adding. So uh, uh, ships, toys, uh, uh, props, costumes, all kinds of uh, artifacts and art from movies, from the TV series. Uh, you can see all of that with your headset, an Oculus Rift or an HTC Vive. Or if you don't have a VR rig, well, don't worry about it. You can still access it from your PC as long as you're running Windows 7 or later. So the place to get more info and to sign up for your free, yes, I said free, account is sansar.com s-a-n-s-a-r.com on now to the poll question poll questions let's say 
You weren't here last week, John. I was. Wait, did you yeah. do a show last week? Yeah, we gave, we gave a shout out earlier to uh, earlier to Earl, excuse me, and to Nuke, and of course to Rod. Uh, Sue Kissenweather sat in for you last week, and she did a bang up job. So uh, big Excellent. thanks to her again for for joining us. And uh, I I had to make up a poll question because you weren't here. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, how'd that go? It was, it was Miss Kiss or Miss John Champion. And uh, the, the <laughs> all over the place. Sorry. It was actually a, what's your groove was the question. What's your groove standalone episode or part X of 14 standalone or part X of 14 uh, pretty evenly split. Surprisingly, 53% say they prefer the standalone uh, 47, 47 mm. said, oh. uh, part X of 14. So uh, I guess this season is going exactly the way everyone wants it to. <laughs> well, I, I, so do you lean strongly one way or the other? Uh, have, I'm sorry. Have we ever done a show together before? Yes, I do. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm well, we do just as a general rule, you know? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's a, see, that's honestly, that is sort of a question about what the show is, right? I don't hmm. think there's ever been a standalone episode of game of Thrones. And I'm a fan of Game of Thrones and mm. you can't just watch one episode of Game of Thrones and go, oh, yeah, no, I get it. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, after the first one, I think that would be a bit difficult to do. Uh, for Star Trek, I prefer the standalone. I'm OK with a good two part episode, maybe something like that. Uh, but I, I prefer the, you know, we start off in a place, we, we uh, tackle a problem and then we finish. Um, mm. Similar to what's going on right now with the Orville. Uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cause that's, I don't think they've even had a two part episode yet. I don't know if they will or not. And I mean, still there are through lines. I mean, there are things that happen in one episode that, you know, might pick up in another, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Standalone. What about you? Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a magic formula for me. Like I, I really liked it when enterprise did a season long arc. Uh, when they did in uh, season three of that show, but then they broke it up every now and then with some standalones, but even those standalones would have a little thread that would connect you to the rest of the arc. So that was kind of a cool thing to do, but that was only one season out of the four. And then in the fourth season, they did some three part episodes, you know? So I, I think there's one extreme where in TOS and early TNG, just nothing was connected ever. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and uh, but there's something to be said for building some little threads that have payoff when it feels like it merits that payoff. So yeah. I, I like the idea of you know, bringing back a character, bringing back an idea. Yeah. I mean, and go back to things like Kirk lost his brother in one episode. Kirk and, had a brother? I know. Exactly. Yeah. So Kirk Lock is a brother in one episode. And then he had this nephew that theoretically had to be dealt with, but we never heard of that character again. That's a bit ridiculous. At the same time, uh, Jean-Luc Picard uh, becomes Locutus of Borg and then has to be saved. And he is never the same again after that. But every episode isn't about the fact that he's been affected by what happened with Locutus or what happened you know, with the Borg. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's a happy medium. Um, and uh, yeah. I, I, that's yeah. where I fit. I fit in the happy medium, by the way. Maybe a slim medium on a better on a better year, but a happy okay. medium. That's to be where I'd be. Good. Well, and then we pose a new poll question for this week. Uh, mm-hmm. This week's episode of Discovery heavy on the section thirty one. So we asked you, section thirty one. Are you glad to see him back, or are you sorry they came? 
And uh, I'm actually I'm a little surprised here when I last checked and it might have changed when I last checked. Glad to see him back. Sixty two percent. Sorry, they came thirty eight percent. I I would have thought if I had to put money on it, I would have thought that sorry they came uh, would have been higher. Oh, oh, and I just checked. It, Ken, this is going to be like an election night special. I'll just keep <laughs> back over. We have an update from from Iowa. Fifty eight percent. Glad to see him. Forty two percent. Sorry they came. So it, it shifted just a little bit. Um, yes. I have very mixed feelings about this, and I think those mixed feelings have to do with uh, partly the fact that we don't know exactly what they're doing or how they're justifying the position of Section 31 in the show yet, because it's a great big season-long arc. Mm-hmm. You know that that kind of speaks to the the, the question in the previous poll question. That, you know, it does indeed, and uh, certainly it will be, might be. Could be interesting to find out as the year goes on. I guess we'll find out whether it's interesting to find out. I want to remind people, if you've got thoughts on Section 31, if you've got thoughts on anything that happened in this week's episode, because there was also all the stuff that happened in the Mycelial Network. Uh, there was, well, I don't want to give anything away in case people haven't seen it. And John's about to do the recap. But basically, <laughs> if anything that happened in this week's discovery stirred anything in you, Six four six five five eight eight six five six is the phone number to call. Six four six five five eight eight six five six, or you can uh, click on the link on the Facebook page that you're probably watching right now. If you're watching right now, or you can use the one top from your smartphone and follow all the codes and do all the things. And then pretty soon, look, people not quite as smart as you have c- accomplished this, so you can do it. I have faith in you. I'm not talking about anybody in particular, by the way. My point is, you can do this. So give us a call and do the thing. Hey, uh, I said that John was going to be doing the recap. And, um, well, now seems like a good time. Sure, you got it, Ken and everybody else. This week's episode, The Saints of Imperfection, also my least favorite Motley Crue album. So, Tilly is still missing after being absorbed by a giant pile of fungal, uh, uh, fungal stuff. Nobody knows what happened, where she is, how the alien formerly known as May did what she did. It's all a mystery. And you know what else is a mystery? Spock, he who supposedly murdered the people who were holding him at Starbase and has run off with a shuttle. Since Discovery is caught up to his shuttle and he's opening fire rather than cooperating, Pike orders a maneuver to disable his ship and bring it aboard. Guess what? It's not Spock piloting that shuttle. It's Giorgio. Captain Giorgio, except we all know who she really is, even if almost nobody else does. Giorgio isn't forthcoming with answers, but it all becomes a little more clear when she reveals that she is from Section 31 and is tasked with finding Spock. Her superior, Leland, is an old friend of Pike's and says, yeah, this is his deal now. They're in charge of finding Spock. Don't get in the way. Georgia was released, but not after she and Burnham have a few words. Michael knows who she is, and she's not going to stand idly by somehow Giorgio's involvement in dangerous Spock. Down in engineering, Stamets is working on a theory that May took Tilly into the mycelial network through that cocoon, which is actually an organic transporter of some sort. Cut to... Tilly waking up in a David Cronenberg nightmare of fungal goo, greeted by May and some spores that try to eat her until being called off. They've got a problem in Spore Town. 
Breaking the interdimensional barrier meant unleashing a monster that is killing their world, and May brought Tilly here to help kill the monster. Section 31 left behind a liaison named Ash Tyler. This startles Burnham, and it makes Pike wonder just what's going on with her, the former Voke, Philip Giorgio for that matter. Burnham says, it's complicated. Just give her time. She and Ash have a quick catch up, but he can't say much about what brought him back into Black Ops. So, okay, on to Stamets' plan. He tells Pike that Tilly is probably alive and their only way to get her is by doing a partial jump. Discovery would be halfway inside the mycelial network, half out, where they will look for Tilly. Oh, and the mycelial spores will try to eat the ship because that's what they do, eating and repurposing anything that doesn't belong there. They'll have about an hour to find Tilly. The order is given. They jump, and sure enough, surprise cut to Tilly and terrifying shock to May. There is a big old starship crashed into the mycelial forest. May is hesitant, but Tilly insists she needs to go inside to get help from her friends. Burnham and Stamets have passed through from engineering, now looking for Tilly and May. Tilly has armed herself with a phaser rifle and lists her friends to help her and May find the monster that is killing off the spores. They easily trace the residue of toxic chemicals from one of the trees that grows in the network, leading them to the wretched form of Dr. Culber. Yeah, Hugh Culber. He's been better. He's a quivering, scared shell of himself. But hey, he's alive, we think. Discovery's crew is trying to keep it all together as their ship gets eaten. Meanwhile, Burnham and Tilly are putting together that Culber isn't the monster May thinks he is. He was using the bark of that toxic tree to defend himself from the spores that were trying to devour him. It's just self-defense. And that sounds a lot like the Culber they know. He really is alive. So now they've got to get him and Tilly out of there as those spores are making hamburger out of Disco's hall. Ash Tyler on the bridge and seeing total meltdown contacts a cloaked Section 31 ship to help them out. It appears launches an assist with a tractor beam and helps stabilize Pike's ship. The terrified version of Culber and the network is found hiding from Stamets, who offers his hand and reassurance. It's a tearful reunion. Interrupted by May, who grabs Tilly's phaser with the intent of vaporizing the doctor. Tilly manages to talk her down long enough for Stamets to reminisce and get us all caught up on what happened. He watched Hugh die, but as Stamets was jumping back and forth into the network, that energy that was Culber passed right along into the network with him. Cool. Everybody ready to go home now? Up on Section 31 ship, they are giving her all she's got which may not be enough to save Disco. Leland is ready to bail while Giorgio slides in with a little friendly blackmail to encourage him to stay while she texts the tech. In engineering, with our crew ready to return to the real world, they've hit a snag. Culber can't go with them. He's a construct of May's species, the Jasep, and his matter won't survive in our universe. May says there's nothing she can do. And Culber is ready to give himself over to the spores once again. As he disintegrates, Tilly and Burnham have an inspiration. 
That cocoon, the one that dimensionally exists in the engine room, is made up of matter from their universe. May isn't too keen on the idea. It might not work. Plus, it'll close the connection between their dimensions. Tilly says they have to try. With time running out, the Section 31 ship backs off, and as Disco starts to take a dive, Stamets, Burnham, and Tilly emerge through the barrier back into their own dimension. The rift that was created by the jump closes, and the ship is stabilized. That big, weird cocoon in engineering springs to life, though, and what should be inside but a completely solid and naked Hugh Culber back on the right side of the network. Time for a reunion in person now. Pike beams over to see his old friend Leland, and who should also be there, Admiral Cornwell. She's got a little news about those mysterious glowing red signals in the sky, and you boys need to play nicely and cooperate, because I said so. There's nothing to report about the shuttle Spock had made off with, but for now, Ash will stay on Disco as liaison, and Giorgio, well, she tries to win over Berman, uh, Burnham's trust, With a minute to burn before the credits kick in, Burnham muses on the nature of existence, human connection, and resurrection, and the role that fate might play in their mission. The end. Well done. Well, thank you. You know, it's it's, uh, uh, there there are things in that episode. (laughs) There are things in that episode. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are many things. Hey, um, we might get to our thoughts on the episode. I don't know, but we actually have a caller standing by. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not, not avoidance at all. I don't think. Um, no, no. Actually, no it's, it's exciting because now I can. It's the thrilling conclusion of how do I get laid up, drink cocktails, and watch Star Trek all the time? Uh, Cosmo is joining oh. us. There he is, Cosmo, named after the drink. Uh, <laughs> there he is, our friend Cosmo. How are you doing tonight, Cosmo? I'm hanging in there, guys. Can you hear me all right? Absolutely. Just perfect. Yeah. Uh, and, lots and of fun your on bed rest. On the show. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Yep. This is uh, me laid up entertaining a four-year-old. Uh, six weeks on bed rest. And to answer your question, Ken, no, it's not just a simple sprain. Uh, it's hammer toe correction. So they sawed into some bones and broke the toes and then cut some tendons and put pins in. And uh, (laughs) so that, that's what's going on. And, uh, but James has been uh, a lovely companion and he's actually started watching some Star Trek episodes. He's been into Trek uh, just from the toys and stuff, but he actually watched about four episodes of TNG in the last week, which is impressive for a four year old. What are you watching most? Uh, season three and four of Next Gen. I, it was really tricky. I tried everything because as a four-year-old, he's easily scared. And any kind of super intense stuff uh, weirds him out. So Discovery is off the table. Um, <laughs> but even like TOS, uh, a scary alien or a big green hand grabs the Enterprise, he would say, why is the Enterprise shaking? And so I had to try and find episodes that were kind of mellow and just problem solving. And so the first episode that he watched in its entirety was actually booby trap. Oh, and, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, did, did you just say booby trap? I did. And okay. uh, he really liked uh, the asteroids and Jordy working with Leah and problem solving. There was no conflict really in that episode. So he liked that one. So then I showed him galaxy's child, the follow up to that. 
and uh, I, I fast forwarded through uh, Worf killing the parent alien. Uh, so mm. I glossed over that. But uh, James, again, liked the baby attaching to the Enterprise. And uh, so it's just I've been picking my way through. Uh, today we watched Unification Part 1 and 2. I thought that might be a safe bet. And uh, about 20 times he said, who's that? That's Picard and Data disguised as Romulans. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, it's been interesting, uh, but the animated show, uh, we watched two episodes and within five minutes he was done, uh, scary alien or just whatnot. Um, he so probably that, just got been, tired of the, he probably just got tired of the music. Yeah, could Never. be, could be. Never. Uh, and his favorite character, James, who's your favorite person in Star Trek? Uhura. But who's the next generation favorite person? Dr. Crusher. He has a thing for the ladies. So every time right. Beverly's in the, I see Dr. Crusher in the background. And then every time they're on the bridge, where's Dr. Crusher? He's in sick bay. Where's sick bay? <laughs> Somewhere in the saucer section. Is there a sick kid there? I, I, not in this episode. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, I got a couple of discovery related questions for you guys. I find myself drawn to Pike and I wonder, I mean, the, the actor's fantastic, but I was drawn to Lorca too. So are we as Trek fans conditioned to be drawn to the captain as our lead character? Um, or am I just not connecting well with uh, Burnham? But I mean, every time it's on Tilly or Burnham, I find myself wanting to be on the bridge with Pike. And uh, I really liked Lorca last year, even though he was a, a bad guy. Mm -hmm. uh, so what do you guys think about that? Well, I can tell you that when we, I guess it was maybe halfway through, well, before halfway through the season uh, last year, the poll question that we did was um, whether Lorca was going to be a good guy or bad guy. And talking it over with Rod beforehand or maybe after, he was really surprised that everybody thought he was going to be a good guy. Hmm. Now, of course, you know, Rod's an executive producer on the show, so he knew how the whole thing was going to go. Uh, and he was really surprised that people couldn't see all the you know bad parts of what was going on with uh, going on with Lorca. My feeling at the time was we want to love our captain. I mean, we, we, whether you agree with everything Kirk did, we love Kirk. We love Picard. We, I mean, we love, um, oh, I can keep naming Starship captains, but why bother? I mean, Ar Ar Archer and Janeway, boom, just did it. Archer and Janeway, yes. And, and, and certainly um, there are lots of people, though he was not technically a captain when it started, there are lots of people who absolutely love Cisco as well. I mean, we I love, love, we I, I love, love Robert April. Show. I okay. love Robert <laughs> April. All right, fine. That's fine. I like I love Captain Sulu and and Captain Spock. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, you do. Yes. Now we're just going to yeah. keep naming captains. Fine. <laughs> fan of Captain Cook Garrett. too. And Captain, Captain Garrett. Garrett. I I love Captain uh, Hernandez. All right. It's, it's just what was that Weasley Enterprise B guy from uh, Generations? Uh, oh oh, uh, Harriman Cameron, played by Cameron go. from uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. <laughs> yeah, I just call him Captain yes. Cameron because why bother, really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, so, I think honestly, yes, we want to we want to love our captains. I mean, additionally, uh, Pike represents uh, just like you know the very beginning of Star Trek as well, as sort of as we saw it, kind of. And then, uh, and then also Ensign Mount's just playing that character in a fantastic way. He's warm, yeah. he's approachable. He's a guy that you would actually want to follow, unlike yeah. you know Lorca, who you might be afraid to not follow in a way. Anyway, and that's he, my, my thought. And he's a fresh uh, brush of breath of fresh air for those of us that were kind of craving uh, a less dark 
discovery. And I mean, yeah. he, he just sort of symbolizes that new uh, vibe on the show. And I've certainly enjoyed that. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting that when they first announced Discovery, they talked about how this series would not follow the story of a captain, that it was important to the creators of this episode that we're following somebody uh, uh, who is a uh, still part of the command crew, but it's not going to be the captain's story the way that TOS or, or TNG uh, happened to be. And and I, I get that. I, I think that opens you up to a possibility to do other types of stories. So it was a cool idea to have Michael Burnham front and center there. Um, but at the same time, the captain is the character that drives the action of the episode. So no matter what, you will have to have the captain as part of the storyline because that that's that's where the stories uh, that's what the stories hinge upon at some point in some way the captain has to make a decision so we will be affected by that no matter what because we'll be affected by that and because that is a position of authority um, I, I feel like we naturally want to see okay well what is the decision that the person who can make the decisions going to do and we got the kind of the bait and switch with Lorca. But what Lorca had, what Jason Isaacs brought to it was this charisma, this swagger, this believability that I absolutely loved. And I mm-hmm. still hope that we get a good Lorca, quote unquote, good Lorca somewhere down the road because he's just magnetic. Um, mm-hmm. But I love Pike. I really do. I think that it's an untapped character. Uh, even though we had Pike in the J.J. Abrams movies, they felt like they sort of needed to to play that arc over again by having him hurt, put him in a wheelchair, and then kill him off <laughs> before we really <laughs> yeah. again. So I, I have really high hopes for this Pike. And uh, I believe, uh, Ken, is it? You had a, a question or a comment? Well, actually, I have a question for both of you, because um, this is something, honestly, that has been... Sorry to say it. <laughs> Don't worry about it, James. I'll say it in a little bit. Go ahead, Ken. Sorry. Quite right. Um, something that's actually been frustrating me over the past couple of episodes, especially our concentration on Burnham. I mean, I, you said that they said that the writer said that they didn't want to concentrate on a captain the way the past series had. At least for TOS and TNG, I don't feel like they did. I mean, yes, Kirk was always going to save the day. Kirk was going to make the decision, but I mean, there were Bones episodes. There were Spock episodes, certainly. And and then more so in Next Gen, I mean, that was really more of a cohesive unit. I didn't feel like it was the Captain Picard show. I mean, we had Barclay episodes for crying out loud. Right. And even more so with uh, Deep Space Nine. I mean, you would get one or two Troy episodes a season. You'd get one or two Geordi episodes. But I mean, shoot, Deep Space Nine, as it continues to go on for you guys, there are some where Cisco never even shows up and they do mm-hmm. the best job of distributing the action. And uh, I mean, Nog gets gratifying episodes. And I mean, th- there's very few sub Rosa kind of episodes where uh, you're like, Oh boy, it's another Beverly episode. And uh, so, yeah, you're definitely right. It, it's not like it always has been. So now, now, now wait, you're saying that DS nine goes on. Uh, beyond where we are. Okay, first of all, that's very interesting. But no, I, I, I get what you're both saying. Yeah, uh, Star Trek in general has been very good about being an ensemble show. Um, and, and TOS TOS is kind of this weird anomaly because it is the three. It's Kirk, Spock, McCoy. But everybody fell in love with Sulu, Uhura, Chekhov. And 
Ken, when, when we did our rewatch, it was interesting to get to the end of that in our sort of methodical way and realize that at least in the series, there wasn't that much of them. You know, they, they, they're there, but we're sort of conditioned to love them because, well, we had already seen the movies. We already had a better sense of the characters anyway. So going back, you're just kind of filling in the gaps. They did a better job fleshing out the ensemble with uh, TNG and beyond. Mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, there's still an effort to write those shows. And we've seen the memos to prove it. Well, we need to get the captain back in the captain's chair, the captain and, and to, to Patrick Stewart's demand. We need to have more, as they call it, sex and shooting. We need to make sure we have the captain in that action role. So I, I do love it when they develop the other characters better, certainly, and they did it in TOS. But if you look at the credits, you know, it's Patrick Stewart's name at the top of the credits. And yeah. in, in Voyager, it's uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew's name at the top of the credits. So it, it is a show at least designed around the captain, and you're not going to kill the captain off during the pilot. <laughs> the way you did right. on Discovery, you know, which it was bold. Sure. You know, I like changing it up. Um, but uh, Discovery, I think even better than those other shows that we've mentioned, did a great job of cementing the ensemble as we got toward the end of that first run, as we got toward the end of that uh, that first 15 uh, episodes, and then I thought wisely reintroduced us to that ensemble with uh, the first episode of the second season, second episode of the first season, when you have Pike doing the the roll call on the bridge. Right. You know, it, it got to reintroduce us, and I think they've done an even better job now giving everybody a voice. I humbly disagree. Sure, I, I, I want to hear it. I, honestly. I at one point, it felt like um, Burnham would have to have had a time turner to be all of the places that she was that she was in this episode, or maybe it was last episode, mm-hmm. uh, to to actually be able to be there for the culmination of the action. It felt like everybody was waiting to have their reaction until Burnham showed up. And there are times. Yeah. I think it was last episode actually, because when Tilly broke down in Burnham's arms. Mm-hmm. That was actually, that would have been, forgive me, I hate, I'm sorry to do this. It would have been a great moment for, uh, for uh, Tilly to do with Saru, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Somebody else on that, there are other characters on that ship, and, and everything is going to happen around Burnham, it seems to me. And I, I, I love Burnham. Yeah. She's, a, she's a good character. But, I mean, I feel like the ship would emotionally fall apart if she wasn't there, which is crazy because she's emotional. <laughs> <laughs> and we still don't know who the chief engineer is for discovery. I don't think we have confirmed who the chief medical officer is. And I'm, I, I crave those little things. And we don't know what the heck's up with that robot lady, anything about her. And uh, I'd oh, sure I, like to get a little bit more about him. I read something about her, but I can't remember what, Hey, did you, you had, you said there were two things. Was there another question that you had? Yeah. Uh, real quick. Do you, what does your gut tell you about uh, Colbert? Uh, is that a course correction from the uh, less than stellar reaction to his getting killed last year? Or was this in the plan all along? Do you guys think? Ooh, that man, that that's a really good question. I, I think, I mean, if I just had to guess, and I don't have inside information on this, uh, but if I had to guess, I would say that 
it was planned to bring that character back. And I only say that because Wilson Cruz has name recognition before joining Discovery. And he he does have a certain audience, a certain following. And when you bring in somebody who is known, typically, as you do with, you know, Michelle Yeoh, you don't just have them in a couple of episodes for a couple of minutes and heavily promote them and put their name in the credits and then dispatch them never to be seen again. So I have a feeling that uh, particularly with Culber, that this was something decided, okay, we, we have a way to bring him back. Now, that said, I am having very mixed feelings about Discovery having the ability to constantly bring back characters. And I know that this Giorgio is not the Giorgio we started out with, but it's Giorgio. <laughs> and... Uh, it, there's something about that where I feel like if the uh, if the stakes are such that you can kill a character, but then that character is never really dead because we can get the actor back to do something else that is that character ish, then it can prevent me from being emotionally invested in the reality of the situation and the reality of the characters. It was a big deal when you kill Spock after knowing him for 18 years or, or 15 years or however we'd known him, however long we'd known him. And that was the one time on Star Trek that happened. And then we got to explore the implications of that for the rest of the time we saw Spock. So it was a big deal. It's less of a big deal if you can do that every three weeks, <laughs> you know, um, so I'm, I, I'm kind of struggling with that. I, I thought the, the performance that Anthony Rapp turned in as, uh, as Stamets dealing with the loss of Culber was really genuine and touching. And I thought it was a nice thing for Star Trek to be able to deal with that, to deal with loss. But then it's like, okay, well, we, we can tech the tech this time with, uh, mushrooms and <laughs> poof. Colder. I, yeah, I kind of, I, well, what, I, yes, I sort of felt the same way. I will tell you honestly, when they found him and he was coming back, and here's the thing every time they've shown Culber getting his neck broken in the previously on Star Trek Discovery, right? Every time it's like I'm seeing it the first time. Every time it's like that was an absolutely horrible thing. It came out of nowhere and it happened, you know, and then every time they show in the previously on it, it comes again so quickly, you're not prepared for it. And every time it's just been gut wrenching. And then when they found him in the mycelial network, I thought, really, we're going to bring him back after, after you really hitting us with this for a year, they're going to bring him back. And then the moment when he reached through and tried to go through and he wasn't going to make it, I honestly thought that they had done something incredibly brave incredibly amazing. They were really going to make Stamets deal with, they were going to make Stamets let go. And that was going to be the same thing that saved everything. And, and then Tilly said, or, and so now we have him back. I, I don't want to say much more about what it means for his character to come back because I'm really curious now how they're going to treat his character. If he's fine within two weeks, <laughs> <laughs> I, I may I may have another thought or two. I'm I'm really curious how that's going to go. But um, yeah, I mean, you say if the stakes are such, John, um, it kind of feels like there are no stakes. 
It actually kind of feels yeah, like there yeah. are no stakes. I'm, I'm honestly half expecting Connor to show up on the bridge next week. <laughs> That's a joke for all you Connor fans out there. I'm pretty sure he's not coming back. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like all of a sudden, I mean, like you said about Spock. I mean, that was 18 years. And then there was actually, you know, really questioning about what it meant. And now it's just like, oh, well, don't worry. Because, you know, eh, he's only mostly dead. As Mary yeah. Max might say, yeah, uh, yeah, then, we're getting we're getting some interesting comments about that actually in the chat right now, and uh, people do point out, you know, uh, Kirk died in TOS, McCoy died in TOS. I mean, McCoy died for like a minute, you know, mm-hmm. he, he had a shore leave. Uh, I, I, I kind of, I almost can't even count that because it, it, it is dealt with in such such a speed <laughs> and and you kind of know even just watching 60s series television that that's just not going to last to the end of the episode that you you're just not going to make it to the end of the episode with a dead character that they have to then deal with his death on the next episode it was a much more dramatic thing to to off one of our main characters in a movie where then you got to wait a couple of years to see if that character will even come back um so I, I think we all know what I'm talking about there. It's a very different thing to kill Spock than it is to kill uh, uh, McCoy in Shore Leave. And, you know, they, they will play fast and loose. Some of those, somebody points out Ensign Kim isn't really Ensign Kim. He's a copy. But again, we just we deal with that very quickly. It's in an episode. Oh, OK, then here's a copy. And we have this new guy. But he's Ensign Kim. And Ken, you'll really appreciate this. Uh, Danielle says everyone ever transported is a copy. Well, that's true. That's true. And yeah. Come to think of it, everybody on Star Trek ever uh, yeah. has, has died a million deaths. It right. Was, yeah. Right. Um, anything else? Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, John. Oh, no. Uh, Cosmo. Yeah. I, I do got one last uh, thing to pose to you guys. Okay. I, I found myself, as I'm watching season two of Discovery, getting a little antsy at times because we've got a limited number of episodes. It's 14, I think, this season. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, we'd have 26 episodes of a season so we could have a light, fluffy or uh, episode that didn't really lead anywhere. But I find myself when, OK, we're going to get to Spock now. And oh, no, it's Michelle. Yo, we've had the Spock rug pulled out of from under us a couple of times now. So I'm starting to worry. Are they going to hold back Spock until episode 12, until episode 11? So I find myself. Uh, not wanting to waste time with some of this stuff. And uh, I wonder if anybody else in the Facebook or you guys are having those little feelings too. Can I, can I guess really quickly? And, and again, this is and John. I, I don't know if John knows anything or not. I know. I don't know anything about what's coming. I haven't even been reading any theories out there. If I were going to guess though, we're going to get to the halfway point and that's where we're going to see Spock for the first time. And then the second half of the series, we'll be dealing with Spock. And that's just based on how the show was constructed last year. Everything looked like it was going to be fine. Okay, let's go ahead and do the jump. And then they went to the weird jump and they ended up in the mirror universe. And then I think we had like a two or three week hiatus. And then the second half of it was dealing with the ramifications of that. So just structurally speaking, I would imagine you've got, eh, my guess would be another two or three episodes before you even physically see Spock. I would imagine he would be in the last 10 seconds of that episode. And then second half will be both trying to solve the mystery of the Red Angel and also dealing with Burnham and Spock and all that. That's my guess. John? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you about the structure, Ken, that, that there is something kind of calculated about that. And uh, Cosmo, I agree with you. Um, 
there's something that is a challenge that I don't really enjoy about this, which is that we're all sort of counting down the 14 episodes and, and we're, we're intrigued by these hooks, the idea, Oh, look, there's the enterprise and there's a possibility of seeing Spock. Uh, but we know they're just going to keep holding that carrot out and, and hoping we'll keep tuning in each week to see that. I, I do get a bit burnt out on that. And the highlights for me uh, are seeing things like, um, and you'll have to forgive me, it wasn't uh, the the brightest point. I, I'm blanking on the name right now, but uh, uh, Pike beaming down to the planet that, that was uh, Earth 2, essentially, with their little church. Like, that was such a, a wonderful, could-be standalone episode. Uh, but with a thread that ties to the main plot as well, they got there via the, the red signals in the sky. But had you just removed that thread, that would have been a perfect standalone episode. So I was very satisfied watching that because it, it hit the points that I wanted Star Trek to discuss. Like, what is their obligation? How does this affect people's outlook? How does it challenge their beliefs if they get there? This is all fascinating stuff. Then we get to an episode like this, this week, where, quite frankly, I'm a lot less satisfied with it because it's just sort of dangling these things about Section 31, dangling a thing about Spock. Um, and I feel less invested in the mycelial network now, partly mm -hmm. because it became a hand-waving thing to get Culber back. Yeah. Um, so, but here's the problem with that, though. If that had just been one standalone episode out of 26, then it kind of wouldn't matter. But it's an episode that is one out of 14 that all need to tie together, that all need to build this universe so that season two is essentially episode two of Discovery. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, I... You know, there, there aren't a lot of shows that I've invested the time in to watch in order, in real time with their broadcast release, uh, where they have all tied together. I, I never watched Lost. <laughs> I have yet to watch Game of Thrones. Um, just not interested. Um, you know, I'd say Mad Men is probably the closest one, but even Mad Men has definitely its standouts that uh, that work on their own that you don't have to have the deep, intricate uh, plot lines of understanding everything else with everybody else. Let me do a couple of things really quickly. First one, remind people what the phone number is. Uh, 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. The second thing to do, John, you were confusing two episodes. New Eden was the one with Jacob. Ah, point there we of, go. Point yeah. of Light is the one you were trying to think of. And uh, yes. I saw Facebook going nuts when you didn't get that. So I wasn't... <laughs> Like I actually knew what I was talking about, even though I only half knew. And the third thing is, uh, you've been on so long now, Cosmo. How would you like to do a lightning round? I would love to. And you know what? We got James asleep right here. So oh, you okay. guys did my job for me. Well, then try not to yell because uh, you don't want to ruin that. Uh, I'm, I'm back. Uh, John, by the way, if you want to go back one episode in your notes, then you can actually administer the lightning round along with me. It's entirely up to you. I could do that. Yeah, I, I will do that. You, uh, you vamp. Oh, I'll start. It, no, I'll, yeah. I'll start us off. Uh, Domjot okay. or Dabo? Dabo. Okay. Dabo. Okay. All right. Very good. You're not going to get stabbed by a Nos again that way. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, that you know of. Uh, um, yeah. Chaya, Porthos, or Spot. 
Livingston. That's Ooh. not an option. Uh, and, uh, he wasn't a pet. He was scenery. I apologize. Uh, Look, I love Livingston Picard. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> and I miss his Twitter account. But you weren't going to cuddle that. Come on. <laughs> uh, then Spot. Because right. Spot wasn't going to launch a torpedo by mistake like Porthos. Uh, again, that you know of. Uh, favorite <laughs> tech. Favorite tech from Star Trek. Uh, Holodeck. deck. Okay, very good. Uh, favorite Star Trek movie? Um, Undiscovered Country. Oh, interesting. Okay, I don't, nice. think, I don't think anybody's ever said that before. Yeah. Really? Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. Well done. Uh, what's your warp speed? Warp 9.3. 9.3. Okay. Mm, very specific. And uh, let's see. Favorite Star Trek bad guy? Patrick, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, Gold Cut. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, uh, favorite holodeck character? Uh, I liked uh, Miniature Riker from uh, Barclays Fantasy World. <laughs> nice. Okay. From the first Barclay episode. Was it the first? That was the first Barclay episode, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And of course, the last, the last question. Uh, well, okay. Fine. Bonus points for you for being able to name it as well. <laughs> and finally, um, the last question, which is the question that we ask everyone last. Have you been to Vulcan, Alberta, Canada? I have not. Okay. Well, okay, but you we, know what it is. If we ever do our thing, you, you, you should ride in the front of the bus. Yep. <laughs> yep, for sure. Uh, by the way, we're, we're getting people recommending questions now. Best or worst Trek dad? I think that's uh, that's definitely, I mean, that's actually a whole episode, Ken. Yes. <laughs> well, best Trek dad, I'd say Cisco. Worst Trek dad, I don't know, Riker, Riker's dad, maybe? Hmm. Yeah, Riker's dad is kind of terrible. Yeah. Okay, really? So, oh. <laughs> what? Sarek is, is the answer, right? We, we all know. Yeah. yeah. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, Scott Palm posed a question earlier, and uh, our friend Scott says, uh, this might be a stupid question. First of all, no such thing. Uh, do you think we'll see a young Kirk, meaning in disco? Um, I'm, I, look, I, I'm going to say no. Uh, I, I think Kirk is definitely doing his own thing. And here's the thing. I don't want to see a Kirk in disco. I, um, I, I, Spock, you can justify because he was already a member of the crew of the Enterprise. But I'm so focused on, uh, on Pike and what he brings to the table and how he is uh, similar yet different from captains that we've seen in the past. So I'm, I'm really focused on that. I don't think we need to go Kirk. That would just feel like a, uh, it would feel like a stunt to me on the show. And it makes the universe smaller because that was part of the problem with star Wars, having all these people meeting each other. It makes the universe so small and mm -hmm. if Kirk's off on the Farragut or whatever, and uh, let him do his thing. Like you said, and mm -hmm. uh, we don't need cameos in this prequel, uh, bring the cameos in, in the Picard series. Let's see all a bunch of people from all sorts of Trek. Uh, but for Discovery, Spock and the Enterprise is enough as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I already feel like the, the universe is a little small just by having things so focused on Sarek. Like, I, I like the idea that Sarek exists. I like the idea that Spock exists. I don't know that they necessarily need to be crucial to all the major plot lines that are happening in discovery, but, but we'll see. I mean, the thing is ultimately it's about the payoff. Like where do you land? Can you justify everything that we went through because you told a great story in the end? So we'll, we'll find out, I guess. 
Cosmo, thank you so much. Listen, I wish you no ill. I wish you no harm. <laughs> you're ever laid up again and want to do a whole show with us. <laughs> I got three more weeks well till they. I got three more weeks until they take these damn pins out. I had no idea it was be, would be this long. And uh, you had a Star Trek dog earlier. I've got a Star Trek cat that joined me. Uh, and nice. James is sound asleep. So uh, thanks for letting me take up so much time. And it was fun talking to you. And I'll uh, I'll be here next week. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Do give us a do do give us a call back. We really do appreciate it. And right, uh, thanks and, a bunch. Um, and get well, get recovered well, get better soon. All those things. Yeah. Thank you. See you hey, soon, man. We got man. about uh, eight more minutes. So I want to remind people, 646-558-8656 is the phone number to call. 646-558-8656. Or you can join us on video, just like Cosmo did, by either uh, clicking on the video link on the Facebook page that you're watching right now, if you're watching live, or by using the one tap from your smartphone. Really quickly, I want to remind you, coming up in about 38 minutes, about 38 minutes. Yeah. Uh, Facebook.com slash, oh, what is it? Uh, Priority One Podcast. That is the place that we would like for you to go next because Priority One is about to record their live show, um, which comes out as a podcast later this week. Every Tuesday at 1130 Eastern, 830 Pacific, Elijah, Kenna, and Anthony bring you news from all over the Star Trek multiverse. That's TV and movie news, game news, literary reviews, tons of stuff. They kick off a half hour after we go off the, um, I was going to say off the air because I'm feeling retro today. They, they, they kick off about a half hour after we finish. So don't touch that thing that passes for a dial these days. Just settle in for Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast streaming live as it happens at facebook.com slash Priority One podcast. Or if you can't do it tonight, uh, download the show Friday when it hits. You know, they're on. A, they're coming up on episode 401, John. Wow. 401. Well, yeah. they had a big marathon that you were a part of last week. I was. I was cool. a part of that. Can I tell yeah. you, I am. Uh, I haven't played like a like a dice and graph paper role playing in a very long time. Mm. And, and they did a thing for charity this past week. And the links are still open, by the way. You can still donate to their charitable drive. They're raising money for the Children's Hospital of uh, Philadelphia, I believe. Um, and so they had 12 hours of games that they played on the air. And so, yeah, we took about... It was, I mean, it was comically tragic because we just made so many stupid mistakes. I, I want to say we got out of a, uh, out of a shuttle bay hangar and, and and immediately took fire from a bunch of Romulans. And one person like got their leg caught in the door and another person broke his arm. Uh, I, I did a little quick thinking and actually got the person's leg caught in the door. So I'm feeling uh-huh. good about that. And I nearly blew up a shuttle trying to turn on some lights. So it was, it was, uh, it was honestly, despite all of that, it was a tremendous amount of fun to get back into doing role playing. We were playing um, Star Trek Adventures, by the way. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. The uh, Modifius game. So. I have, uh, I have just a couple of things before we uh, wrap it up tonight. Uh, by yeah. the way, Chris Riker in the chat says uh, the disco Thanksgiving special, Sarek's whole family sitting around a table in total silence. That would be it, except yeah. for uh, except for uh, Cybok over in the corner laughing like an idiot. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, one other thing, I'm going to call for a moratorium on a uh, Star Trek trope, and that is that any time that a shuttlecraft or a new ship arrives, uh, you're not allowed to just not communicate with that shuttle or uh, a ship. Because so far, I think, and, and obviously it's happened many times before in other Star Trek, but so far, the last several times on Disco, hey, there's a ship, 
we need to communicate with that ship. Oh, sorry, they're not communicating with us. Uh, and that we don't know who it is that's piloting that. Like when we uh, met Amanda uh, a week yeah. ago, like, hey, look at Sarek's ship. Okay, well, we're going to make it a mystery who's on board that ship and then beam aboard. Well, look, it's either going to be uh, uh, Sarek or maybe somebody who works for Sarek or maybe somebody in Sarek's family. But either way, yeah. they could just uh, hit the button and go, hey, it's Amanda. <laughs> You know? That wouldn't have been bad. You know, that would be, yeah. been bad. That'd be fine. Yeah. You're That'd right. Fine. Mm-hmm. It's like the whole thing where at the beginning of the season, hey, we're going to Vulcan to, uh, to pick up your new captain. Yeah. And nobody goes, oh, really? Uh, what, what's his or her name? <laughs> right. Right. So that would just save you a whole, a whole lot of trouble there. Because, like, we know ships are going to arrive. Yeah. You know. Uh, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. It's yeah. all. If that's, if that's your biggest complaint. What? <laughs> It's just good, one. Good for you. No, no, no. I wasn't saying that about you. I was saying anybody in general. I'm sorry. Yeah, because we don't want to bring up more complaints. No, but hey, look, I, it, it some things that I enjoyed on this episode. Uh, the line about being up to your ass in alligators on Cessus 3. Nice little uh, call back to the Gorn, uh, which Kirk has not yet fought. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to ask about the, uh, the the intelligence of having a Section 31 badge. Now, everybody that I see online loves the Section 31 badge. And I'm not going to lie. If somebody wanted to send me a Section 31 badge, I would think yeah. that's super cool. Yeah. But now, as big a fan as I am of spy stuff and, and the Man from Uncle and James Bond, and all that, like every episode of Man from Uncle, they would walk around and they would hold their ID up and go, look, I'm from Uncle. And that's why every 11-year-old had a card that had the Uncle logo on it in 1967. Yeah, yeah no, it's, it's really, they're the worst secret police force ever, <laughs> especially right. because like, like they show their badge and everybody is like, oh, I get it, Section 31, right. which you know, we thought was like a, a covert organization, a secret organization. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like as so Ash Tyler, who, who was a Klingon, knows exactly what section 31 is and philippa Giorgio, uh you know mirror Giorgio is like yeah i know exactly what section 31 is everybody knows what section 31 is except you know we don't until much 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 later in our star trek viewing I, I i wonder if what's happening though is um you know somebody in the chat was making the point that in a hundred years mm-hmm. it could be assumed that section 31 is just all but gone so by the time we get to the Star Trek that you and I are talking about, you know, TNG, uh, uh, DS9, et cetera, it could be assumed, well, well, that's Section 31. That was something that happened in the past. So we really don't have to worry about them anymore. But, but this is a different version of Section 31 where they are a little better known and they did just come out of a war. So it just might be a little more understood that they're around and what it is that they do. You know, it's not, you know, for you and I, it's not out of the question go, oh, sure, the, the CIA exists, the FBI exists. There are people who are agents for those organizations. That's, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a thing. That, and that, you can always tell them because they're flashing their badges. Flashing all their the badges place. constantly. CIA. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Man, I went to a party one time with three CIA guys and they had their big CIA <laughs> stickers. And I was like, you guys, I thought you were supposed to be a tiny. No. Okay. No. Nope. Nope. <sighs> Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I mean, the, uh, but honestly, uh, no offense to anybody, but if people are saying, well, maybe in 100 years we'll have forgotten about it, you're in the process of, of retconning as we go at this point, <laughs> right? I mean, because I mean, really, there's no way everybody down to people 
anyway, yeah. So section thirty-one, it's uh, it, it's it's here. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's right. Hey, yeah. uh, I, I guess this is where we wrap up the show. I guess so. Do you want me yeah. to do it? Or do you want to do it? Yeah, I think you should do it. Okay. Maybe because well, I don't have my notes up, but I will nice. while you're pulling okay. up those no, notes. No, I got it. That's fine. Thanks to everybody who joined us. Sure. And I'm going to say Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Nuke the Puppy. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Earl Green. Very thanks to him. Uh, very much thanks to him. Very thanks. Because I talk good. Thank you very much, Earl, for uh, for writing console again this week. Hey, uh, if you would like to help support Mission Log directly, that'd be fantastic. Patreon.com slash Mission Log is the place to do that. For more exciting Star Trek podcasts from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, head over to podcast.roddenberry.com. There you will find not just Mission Log and Mission Log Live, but also Women at War Priority One and the Trek Files. Thanks to everybody who's joining us live or later. And we will talk to you next week. podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network